Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. morning. Good to see you. Hope you guys are enjoying the warmer weather. I thought it was, I thought we were going to get hit with winter, but we got more fall coming up. So uh, enjoy those fires. Um, Well, we are in a brand new series. Uh, We just got done with Reigning in Life. Hopefully you got a lot out of that, of the tools and the weapons God gives us to live this beautiful life with him. Um, But uh, this week, I just felt like God wanted me to kind of share this word at the top. It's just a little, um, maybe a prophetic word that I felt like God really wanted me to kind of utter this morning, but just out of confusion, God is bringing clarity. So if you've ever kind of wondered, man, what's up with all this confusion? God is bringing supernatural clarity, okay? So that's just the word. So lean into him, and uh, he will let you know where to fix your eyes, and that's on him in the midst of all this chaos. So Amen? Amen. So, um, well, the book of Hebrews, uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting book. It is a book that probably I have relied upon more in my own private, uh, ongoing, continual walk with the Lord uh, to rely upon him on, to depend upon him. There's been words just from the book of Hebrews that have been an anchor and a guide uh, in my walk with God. So, I encourage you over the next month, just as we sit down with this book of Hebrews, and if you're in a life group, I know you're going through the book of Daniel, just use this time to just eat it up, chew it up, and just let God's Word do His work. So, um, a little brief background in this intro before we kind of dive in, all right? Um, So if you have a Bible or your phone, just kind of pull up Hebrews 1, and we'll begin there, but... uh, The book of Hebrews was written kind of in the late 50s, early 60s A.D. Uh, The church had uh, grown and expanded, and uh, Paul was beginning to write his letters at the beginning of the 50s, 50s A.D., so the church has significantly grown by this time. Um, The book of Hebrews is the only book in the New Testament where we don't exactly know who the author is. Um, But we do know that it was an eyewitness, a friend of a disciple. Um, And and so a lot of people think that Paul may have wrote this, just kind of took his name off, and kind of give a big theological treatise uh, to the Jewish people of why Christ is the Messiah. Um, But uh, some have suggested even Barnabas or Apollos may have written this letter. Uh, But we do know the intended audience. The intended audience is the Hebrews is the Jewish believers that are probably going through, beginning to start going through tremendous persecution. And this new covenant, this new belief of following Jesus is now being tried, maybe for the first time. And a lot of these Jewish Christians are turning and running back to their traditions of their fathers. They're kind of turning, or they're kind of blending the gospel of Christ with the tradition of their fathers, And that's kind of this group that we find in the New Testament called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were a group of Jewish believers that had a conviction 
that if you wanted to become a follower of Jesus, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, that you would have to become Jewish and follow the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And so as Paul and uh, the early church and the disciples were going around spreading the gospel, there were these groups of Judaizers that would follow after Paul and uh, the apostles would leave town. They'd come in afterwards and kind of preach a different gospel than the one Paul talked about. And so here's this book of Hebrews trying to, without equivocation, give a treatise on why Christ is the true Messiah, is a new covenant, and why we need to serve him appropriately. Um, and not by law, but by the Spirit. So the letter of Hebrews is it's bracing, it's challenging. It's probably one of the most challenging ones in the New Testament because it uses ideas and imagery that's, our, that's strange to our 21st century lens. Uh, the, the, the letter assumes that there's a prior knowledge to the Jewish life and Jewish history and Jewish story, especially of the Torah. So just to kind of, if you grew up in church or maybe this is your first time, just let me kind of remind you this little simple story arc of the Torah, that God chose this man named Abraham. God created everything, and then God chose this man named Abraham, uh, which became the nation of Israel. Then there's a man named Moses who was brought up in Pharaoh's house, but he was a Hebrew and who later led the Israelites out of slavery of Egypt and into the promised land where they could have gone right into the promised land, but because of their kind of unbelief, they wandered the wilderness for 40 years and then they wandered, they got into the promised land. So that's kind of the general story arc that the book of Hebrews, at least for today, that we're going to kind of deal with. Um, all right, we also have some clues that the church community, like I said, was facing persecution. And this letter is to them. But we're going to learn a great deal about who Jesus truly is, how Jesus leads us, seeing what his sacrifice on the cross did for the whole system of the cosmos, and how we can live life today with a strong and confident faith in our time here and now and in the spiritual battle we find ourselves in. So let's believe that God would remove this kind of veil and let us see him for who he really is. Let us let him remove our calluses, because there's a few warnings that come across in this book that our heart would be receptive to these warnings. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for this book of Hebrews. And I pray that, Lord, as we sit down uh, with your word, God, your Holy Spirit, would activate this word in our heart. God, that you would do a supernatural work in us. We're not looking to the schemes of man or the strategies of man, but God, we're looking to you and your heart to be with you this morning, to hear from you, to be changed and transformed, to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, we're here for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, a couple more essentials before we dive in to the book of Hebrews. There's two goals that this author is wanting to portray or communicate through this whole letter, all right? And it's going to come up time and again, time and again. All right, the first goal is to proclaim that Jesus is superior to anyone or anything else and that he is worthy of their trust and devotion. Okay, so you're going to see backing to that statement. 
this proclamation that Jesus appeared. And then it's followed usually by a challenge. He challenges his listeners to remain faithful to Jesus amidst persecution. All right, so he's going to illuminate who Jesus is, and then he's going to give a warning, stay true to who that Christ is. Amen? All right, so there's four big sections in this uh, book. He's comparing Jesus, the Messiah, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords against the convictions and issues that in the Jewish mind, they were, they were having a hard time kind of letting go and seeing Christ for who he truly is. So without any salutation or introduction, the book of Hebrews just dives right in. These first, these first four verses comprise one majestic sentence in the Greek. And it's read like an opening of a formal Greek oration rather than a customary greeting of a letter that you would find like among Paul. And they're among the four most important um, passages about Christ that we can kind of find in Scripture. All right, so here we go. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his... God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by His mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us, when, when he had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave Him is greater than their names. Whoa. Man, big cosmic opening. It, it, it almost forces you to kind of like stand back and see this, the scope of history. You see the prophets that God had for a long time been sending advanced sketches as to who he is. But then finally, he, the real portrait has now come upon the scene. Through God... The sun, through, through the sun, it says, God created everything. And if you look at Jesus, it's as if look, you're like looking in a mirror to God himself. In Jesus, God's character is exactly reproduced. It's plain for all to see. If you want to know who God the Father is, all you have to do is look at the person of Jesus. It's as though the exact imprint of the Father's very nature and glory has been precisely reproduced into the soft tissue of the sun. And now it's there for the world to see. The sun is far greater than all of the angels. The sun is greater than all the Elohim. Now to the Jewish reader, that would immediately kind of sparked a little uh in your heart. Mainly, why do they kind of start with angels? Well, angels. Comparing Jesus with angels. Jesus is greater than all the other angels. So why start with angels? In the Jewish tradition, it was taught based upon Deuteronomy 2 or 33.2 that the Torah and the Word of God were delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai by an angel, an angel of the Lord. And so in biblical terms, the word for angels in the original Hebrew is Elohim. And if you're not familiar with... Uh, Dr. Michael Heiser's books on the supernatural and unseen realm, I highly encourage you to kind of read those. It kind of lays this out a lot better than I could. But in biblical terms, the word for angels is Elohim. 
The word refers to any inhabitant into the, in the spiritual realm as an Elohim. So at times, uh, it references God as Elohim. It references demons as Elohim. It represents fallen angels as Elohim. It represents God's angel of the Lord as Elohim. So there's a lot of uh, kind of common uses to this word. Some loyal to Yahweh, some are fallen ones. The loyal ones are God's agents. They're his servants. The, the Hebrews highly honored and respected the word of the Lord that came through one to give the law of God to people. And so comparatively, the author goes on, Hebrews 13, says, I never, I never said to any of the angels, God never said to any of the angels like he did his son, sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants sent to care for God's people who will inherit salvation. Oh, so by saying Jesus is superior to the angels, the author is claiming that Jesus and his message of good news is superior to all the other messages that all the other angels have ever brought. Jesus' good news is greater than any angel, past, present, future. God sent his son. Jesus and his good news of the kingdom of God was sealed by his blood to establish a new covenant under heaven, which is far grander than the ones brought by angels. The author then kind of turns to a warning. Hebrews 2, 1, it says, So we must listen carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Be careful that you hold on to the truth that you've heard. Be careful not to drift away. You ever been on a super long road trip? Maybe on hour 7 or 8 behind that wheel, and maybe it's nighttime, and that, that white line begins to just kind of, ah, lull you to sleep a little bit. And then, you know, it's one of the scariest things when you're driving is what? Dun, 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 dun. Under there, underneath your tire when you've kind of dozed off. Man, that really gets you. Um, that really wakes you up. But that's, that's kind of what I was thinking of like, man, God put, puts guardrails by his spirit of like, man, don't drift away. Don't drift away from the truth. Don't get deceived. If Israel was called to pay attention to the Torah that was delivered by angels, how much more should you pay attention to the message given by the Son of God? Recognizing the temptation when persecution comes to return to their old ways. That's always a temptation. When persecution comes, you're like, man, it'd be much easier if I just went back. It'd be much easier if I just turned and went back to my old way. It's so hard to stand for God in certain times when there's so much persecution. But sometimes it's filled with grace. So, he says, Hebrews 2, 11, it says, Both the one who makes people holy... And those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Wow, tremendous language. We just talked about how he's greater than all the angels, and yet we can call him brother. And he calls us brothers and sisters. Since his children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, verse 14, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those 
who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. And Jesus had to come in the form of a man. It says, for surely it is not angels he helps. He didn't come to give a sacrifice for the fallen Elohim, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had, to make, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And there's so many powerful truths about who Christ is and what he came to do. And right when the author mentions this high priest, Jesus being this high priest, he anticipates his Jewish audience, man, You've handled the word of angels, but what about Moses? He's our high priest. Well, the author of Hebrews dives right into it. The author retells the story of how the Israelites rebelled against God and Moses, their high priest. And they didn't trust God in the wilderness. He brings up their history line. He brings up their traditions. This is the tradition that you're running back to, a tradition of rebellion, a tradition of pride and running from God. That's the tradition that you're running back to. But the author says, man, they grumbled, they complained, they, and then finally when they had a chance to enter into their promised land, they failed to enter because of their fear and unbelief. And so they wandered for 40 years. So Hebrews 3, verse 10 says, So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. And so in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Whoa. Imagine hearing that from God. Man, that, that right there is the fear of the Lord. It's like, oh, Lord, may I do nothing that breaks your heart. Hebrews 3. So he's like, may they... Enter their place of rest. And so it says, be careful then, verse 12, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. It says you must warn each other every day while it's still called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened by God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Wow, what a promise. So not only don't drift away, but make sure your hearts aren't evil, tangled up in darkness. Make sure your hearts aren't tangled up in darkness and that you aren't caught up with fear, fear of death, fear of man, fear of anything other than the Lord himself. Don't have unbelief. Don't turn away. Don't drift. And here's the second warning of the book of Hebrews. Don't turn away. By some practicals. He says, all right, to help you not turn away, he says, warn each other, encourage one another. I'll expand it out to some other New Testament scriptures. Encourage one another, serve one another, love one another, lay down your life for one another. Whoo! Stay frosty in your faith, all right? Be close to Jesus and each other, watching out so that we're not deceived. You know the tricky thing about deception is that you don't know what's happening. It's the whole nature of deception. And it's so sad when God's people, because of maybe being a little too private, a little too closed off, a little too isolated, they're kind of 
their kind of private faith, it's really easy for self-delusion to kind of get in there. It's a really easy trick. Let me tell you, Satan's smarter than you. Facts. All right? But in community, it is interesting how you keep guard among one another. So he says, hey, warn each other every day. If we remain faithful, what a promise at the very end. If we remain faithful and trust God to the end, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Which is everything. What a promise. God's promise to enter the promised land stands, and so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to get there, the author says. And so Hebrews 4.7, so he's talking to these Jewish Hebrews that are kind of bucking up against Jesus and his new covenant. And they're having a really hard time giving up their old traditions, giving up their old ways. We experience the same thing when for us Gentiles, it's give up the ways of the world. And it's like, oh man, that's a pretty intense call. That's a pretty intense kind of like charge by God. Well, for the Jewish you know, believers in this, it's like you need to kind of reduce the law and put it in its proper place. Jesus fulfilled and he restores and redeems. He's, he's the Messiah. But he says, and so God sent another time for entering this place of rest. And that time, what does this author say to these Jewish? That time's today. That time's today. You're hoping one day for God to establish this promised land and that the Messiah would come and kind of dominate and rule over the whole planet? Mm-mm. That's not how God rules. It's entering into his rest. It's submitting, it's yielding, it's surrendering and entering into God's rest. And he says that time is today. So God announced through this through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't let those calluses keep you from hearing God. He goes on and says, so there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. And so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we'll fall. And he goes right into why we need God's word. He says, for the word of God is full of living power. It's sharper than the sharpest knife cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. like how the New Living says that. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we've done. So he's telling these Jewish, he's like, I'm telling you to kind of put the law aside so you can take on this new covenant. Not that we throw it away. There's some theologians that are like, oh, we need to unhitch kind of like the Bible and just kind of live in the New Testament. No, no, no. God's word's God's word. But this word is living and active. His word is the only thing that can keep our hearts constantly aware that we need him to save us and redeem us. And as much as 
Our flesh wants it to be different, wants to like change the setup, change the parameters, change who God is, change what sin is, change all these things to try to rationalize what we do, what we do. God is like, no, my word becomes a forever compass to your heart that no matter what's going on around in culture, you know what truth is, you know where to turn for truth, and it's his word. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living and active. It's like supernatural power. We talked about this with uh, this weapon in the last series. It's good. And then he goes on. And we'll end here. Hebrews 4. And he says, that is why all of this, not drifting away, Jesus being higher than the angels, Jesus being a high priest greater than Moses, But he says, that is why we have such a high priest who's gone into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. It says, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he never sinned. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find help, grace to help us when we need it. Lord. He is our high priest. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. So his word is don't drift away from who Jesus is. Don't fail to enter God's rest because of your unbelief. But cling to him. Cling to him in the midst of a storm going on. Cling to him when things aren't going all right. Cling to him when things are going right. Cling to him. Let's never stop trusting him. Let's never try to allow circumstances or our view of maybe our past to kind of like allow us to believe that God failed you, that God forsake you, that God has never been with you, that God won't be with you in the future. A lot of times there's like, you know, fear are pictures of the future without the presence of God. So those are sometimes the the fear projections that a lot of us kind of struggle with when things aren't as hunky-dory as we're kind of familiar with, our, our kind of fear images are images void of the presence of God. And is that where you, son or daughter of God, disciple of Jesus, want to spend your time? No. It's about being with the Father, clinging to Him, saying, God, I know you're right in the middle of this. God, I know you're right in the middle of all this pain. God, I know you're right in the middle of this drama. And I'm relying on you, and I'm never stop trusting you. And so with that is this kind of call at the end of Hebrews 4 to just never stop trusting him, never stop relying upon him. I just I, I invite you to come up to communion. We're going to do communion right now. If I could invite Will to come up, and you guys could maybe move that table over to the center. How we do communion here is uh, we kind of have communion elements up front. So if you want to join us in communion, we're just going to use this time to just be with the Lord and thank Him for this new covenant that He established with us. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman He's called you to be now and to see His kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at 
citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.